What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick and Play Podcast. It's your boy, Leo. Got a solo edition this week. Our boy, Gordo, he's, he's on the injured list, a little under the weather. Uh, so you got me this week. The general consensus seems to be that Brooklyn is a lock to win the championship. But I'm not so convinced, and I'll tell you why. Next. get right into it man i feel like these days no matter who i talk to or who i listen to on the tv or on a podcast the general consensus is that the brooklyn nets are going to win the championship and they're going to win it in four games no matter who they play i'm not convinced i'm i'm just not convinced that a team that isn't that great defensively is just a lock to win the championship and i have a couple counter arguments here uh, to the brooklyn nets potential dynasty now, I know when they go and they add Blake Griffin, when they go and they add LaMarcus Aldridge to already a core of James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, I get it. You know, I, I'm not a dumbass here. I have eyes. I, I can see why that that is a problem and why people are worried about that and why everyone's ready to just hand the championship to Brooklyn. But I think even in the Eastern Conference, there's some teams here that could give them some trouble. I'm not saying that Brooklyn is not going to be in the championship. I mean, for my betting money, uh, you have to say that they're the favorite in the East. I just think that there is a world where they lose. And I'm here to present that argument. I'm here to present it, damn it. So let's start with my first argument against the Brooklyn Nets. Well, maybe not my first argument, but the first team that I could see knocking them out realistically, it's got to be the Philadelphia 76ers. We were talking about Embiid as being the MVP, and Embiid actually returned to action last night uh, against the Timberwolves. Had a pretty decent game, I think 24 points, so... Uh, we'll see with Embiid. Hopefully he's good to go and good to roll for the rest of the season. Uh, but they also have Ben Simmons, a perennial all-star. They got Tobias Harris, Seth Curry. They, they got a gang of shooters, Tobias Harris. I just think that they have they have the firepower to at least be able to play with Brooklyn. I know that they can't score like Brooklyn can because as many shooters as Philly now has on the team, uh, Brooklyn still has more. I get that. I understand that. My thing is here with with Brooklyn is that there's no interior paint defense. Uh, I know Claxton is coming on and sure, (laughs) you know what I mean? Sure, if you're going to rely on Claxton to give you big minutes in the playoffs, then I think that they're going to be in trouble. The defense hasn't been great with DeAndre Jordan on, on uh, on the floor, which shouldn't be a big shock. I mean, DeAndre Jordan is deep into his career right now. I would actually be surprised if he was an elite rim defender still at this point in his career but when you look at Joel Embiid uh, he's a mismatch nightmare and he's going to be a mismatch nightmare for 90% of the teams in the league you know there's not too many people that can compete with Joel Embiid down in the box Uh, but with Brooklyn they don't even have anyone they don't even have a road bump they don't have a speed bump for this man Uh, the the road is clear for Joel Embiid to average 37 and 18 in a series against Brooklyn and I just think Philly, although they're not the number one defense in the league, uh, they are a top three defense in the East. Uh, and 
they're one of the, I think, among the contenders, they're the best defense. I mean, depending on how you feel about Miami. Uh, but the only two teams in the Eastern Conference that are better defensively than the Philadelphia 76ers are the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. I, I'm sorry, the Boston Celtics. Get the hell out of here. The New York Knicks. I'm sorry. No disrespect to my Knicks fans out there. The Knicks actually have the number one defense in the league from what I'm seeing right now on ESPN.com. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Philly, they have the defense that they need to be able to slow down Brooklyn. And I think if you can stop Brooklyn's offense from being all systems go full on rolling, uh, then you've got a chance to beat them because their defense is they don't look like they're about to lock anyone up. And they don't have the roster that suggests that they're going to start locking people up either. Uh, you feel how you want to feel about Kyrie and KD and James Harden, uh, but neither none of those three are elite defenders. And Kevin Durant, I do think that he's probably, you know, he has the highest potential as a defender in that group. Uh, but he hasn't played that much this season. He's been dealing with his a calf injury is what they're calling it, I think. And yeah, I just wouldn't rely on him to be scoring and giving you elite defense at this point in his career after the Achilles injury. Uh, when you look at Philly, they've got a Ben Simmons, they've got a Tobias Harris, they've got a Matisse Thybul, they've got they've got people that they can throw at KD and I mean I'm sorry, not at KD at at Kyrie and at James Harden. There's not going to be much that you can do about KD. I, I don't really think they have the answer for KD, even though they have Ben Simmons who can match up, you know, in a size, you know, in terms of size. But I just, there's no matchup for KD. I think if I'm if I'm Philly, I put. I put Ben Simmons on James Harden, and I kind of just hope for the best. I think that Philly has a real shot. I think that you can't dismiss Philly. Um, the offense is good enough. They have no answer for Joel Embiid. I would love to see how this plays out in a seven-game series. I really hope we get to see it, honestly, uh, because Brooklyn, they're going to struggle with big men. I know that they got Aldridge and Griffin. What does that do for their defense, though? I hear everyone getting ready to bust a nut over Aldridge and, and Griffin, but ooh, their issue was interior paint defense. Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge, are they're not doing anything for that category. Philly, you know, I, I really believe that their size is the reason why they're going to be able to compete with Brooklyn. I think that they have the size to frustrate Brooklyn and throw the offense off course just, just enough. You know, they slow the game down, Doc Rivers... Doc Rivers is an experienced coach, and uh, again, feel how you want to feel about Doc Rivers, but he's been there. I know, you know, what happened last year with the Clippers, I understand, but he's been there, and I expect him to have a good game plan to go against uh, to go against Steve Nash and those boys over there in Brooklyn. I expect him to have his team ready. Uh, I really hope that this is a matchup that we get in the conference finals, but uh, as of right now, let's see how the standings look. Uh, right now, yeah, that would be a conference finals matchup. It looks like Philly's in the number one seed, Brooklyn's in the number two seed. Uh, the only way we would be getting that series is if it was the second and last series of the season. So, fingers crossed. I really hope we see that one. Right now, they're actually currently tied for first, uh, so you could interchange them. But let's move on to the next team that I think has a chance to beat the Brooklyn Nets. And it's actually the team that right now they would have to face in the second round, which I'm sure they wouldn't be excited about, the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's take a quick break, and when we get back, I'm going to let you know why Giannis and the Bucks uh, actually probably have the best chance to to dethrone, well, not dethrone because they're not on a throne, but to beat the Nets, get the Nets the fuck up out of here. I'll let you know here in a second. 
All right, look, man. I know that you were probably listening to this thinking, Leo, the Bucks. You're about to waste my time talking about the Bucks. We've seen the Bucks the last couple years. The Bucks can't get it done. We already look, bro. I know. I know. I get it. I don't really have an argument against that. Well, actually, a lot. I do have an argument against that. I think that this Bucks team has a chance to beat the Brooklyn Nets because not only is this a different team, a uh, different Bucks team than we've seen the last couple seasons, but they have who they have a player who has an argument to be the best player in the conference, maybe even the best player in the league. I know that there's Giannis fatigue. Trust me, I get it. Uh, but to be fair or to be honest with you, I think it's kind of bullshit that he's not getting any MVP looks right now. If you look at his numbers on the season, they're pretty much in line with what his MVP numbers have been. He's about 29, uh, 15, and 6 right now. So he's about... Oh, no. I'm sorry. I got that wrong. I'm sorry. He's about 29, 11, and 6 right now. Shooting about 56% from the field, 30% from three, 69% from the free throw line. Obviously, you would want better numbers, better shooting splits there, but... We know what time it is with Giannis. We know that he's not a shooter. My argument here is that if you have if you have one of the best players in the NBA, you always have a chance. I don't care. I don't care what people say about oh, you build a wall and you stop Giannis. Oh, Giannis can't get it done. Giannis is a fraud. I don't care about any of that. This is one of the best players in the league on both sides of the floor. Uh, He's one of the few people that could step on the floor with James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and he could be the best player on the floor that night. I think anytime that you have the best player in the series, you should be, I mean, you should at least be considered to be able to win the series. I feel like people are laughing the bucks out of the gym right now. Uh, And I think that Giannis has a little bit more help than he's had in previous years. I think that's the biggest difference between this Bucks team and Bucks teams of the past. Uh, I think when they had Eric Bledsoe running the point for them, no disrespect to Eric Bledsoe, but I, I don't personally consider him one of the top guards in the league in 2021. Uh, You know, he, he had his time, but 2021, I think the league is kind of, it's kind of taking him by a little bit, which is fine, you know, but they replace him with Drew Holiday. Now, for me, Drew Holiday is a good barometer of how much basketball you've been watching uh, because Drew Holiday, to me, is you can look at him either one of two ways. I think he's a star, uh, maybe a low end star, but a star nonetheless. If you don't think he's a star, then that means you consider him a role player. And if you consider him a role player, you have to consider him the best role player in the league. I mean, I would like to hear the argument for for who would be a better role player than Drew Holiday if that's what you consider him. Uh, so either way, they went from a below average point guard uh, to, I, I believe now, an above average point guard. I think that that makes a big difference. And that, that might not be something that we see in the regular season. Uh, because in the regular season, we've seen the Bucks. they find a way to manufacture offense. They've had one of the best offenses in the league for a few years now, and that was with Eric Bledsoe and a couple other people on the roster, you know, like George Hills, you know, people that aren't really big difference makers out there at this point in their careers. Drew Holiday is not that. I think that Drew Holiday, when you have someone like Drew Holiday, you have someone that you could go into a playoff series and say, hey, we need you to guard Harden for seven games. And can Drew Holiday shut down James Harden? No. Again, like I said earlier, I'm not fucking blind. I can watch basketball. I I understand. You know, I understand there's limitations. 
Can Drew Holiday stop James Harden from getting every single bucket that he wants on the floor at all times? I do think that he can do that. There aren't that many defenders in the league that can stop James Harden from going wherever he wants on the floor. I do think Drew Holiday can stop James Harden from getting wherever he wants on the floor. Now, can James Harden still get 30 on Drew Holiday? Absolutely. James Harden is one of the best offensive players we've ever seen. I don't think James Harden is going to give Drew Holiday an efficient 40. You know what I mean? Or I don't think Kyrie Irving is going to drop 40 on Drew Holiday consistently for a whole series. That's not something that you could say in the past. In the past, the point guard position, you could probably get buckets on the Bucks right there. Not only that, but Giannis was their only point of creation. You know, he's the only one really creating offense. The the, the people on the roster and in rosters past, uh, that's not their strong suit. Chris Middleton, fantastic player, great shooter. Uh, but he has his limitations when it comes to creation. He's not going to create a lot of buckets for your team. So while he is a good second option next to Giannis if he's not going to create offense eventually that's going to create a problem when you only have one guy that can create on your team enter Drew Holiday Drew Holiday is not that Drew Drew Holiday is not the guy that's going to stand around and say Giannis if you don't get me a bucket I might not get it or if Giannis sits down he's not the guy that you throw the or He's not a guy that you're going to throw the ball to and wonder like, oh, where's the offense going to come from? No, Drew Holiday can create offense. That's the difference between him and Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton can create offense for himself very well. He can create open looks for himself. And when someone sets up an open look for him, he's automatic. But if you're going to ask Chris Middleton, hey, Giannis is having trouble or the defense is keying in on Giannis, we need you to initiate all the offense, I think your team's going to struggle. And we've seen that in the past. We've seen that the past couple seasons. These teams, they build a wall against Giannis and they say, all right, what else you got? And the Bucks didn't really have anything else because they didn't really have anyone else they could create. With Drew Holiday, I do feel like they have someone that can create at that position. And I know that their stats aren't, you know, shiny and and flashy with Drew Holiday. On the season, he's averaging 17 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. Uh, but he's averaging 39% from 3. He's shooting 51% from the field, 81% from the free throw line. He's giving you efficiency. Drew Holiday doesn't need to dominate the ball to give you what you need. He's giving you elite defense. He's giving you creation and shot making. Uh, Drew Holiday is a player that I think that can really make a difference. And I think that we've just seen the point proven today. Actually, while we're recording this, the Milwaukee Bucks have agreed to a four-year maximum contract extension worth $160 million per Sham Sharania. The Bucks are showing you that they have faith in Drew Holiday. I have Drew faith in Drew Holiday uh, as long as he's next to established stars. If Drew Holiday is your number three player, your number three option, I think that you're in great shape. Example of what I'm what I'm talking about when it comes to Drew Holiday came right before the All Star break. They had a game against the Grizzlies, I believe. And, you know, they're going back and forth, I think, under a minute, under like 20 seconds left. John Morant uh, ties up the game with a layup. Now, there's maybe six, seven seconds left on the clock for the game. Uh, the the Bucks inbound the ball. They give it straight to Drew Holiday. Now, this is where you see the difference between a Drew Holiday and, a, and an Eric Bledsoe and what kind of difference that that can make on the team. Look it up on YouTube if you haven't seen it yet. This man, Drew Holiday, takes the inbounds pass goes the full length of the court, makes a move on his man. I think it was Dylan Brooks that was guarding him. Hits him with a step back jumper game winner, right? 
And, and what was unique about that is that he didn't look for Giannis. He wasn't looking around saying, where's Chris Middleton? Oh, I got to get rid of this ball real quick before the game ends. He looked at the inbounder and said, yo, give me this ball. I'm going the full length of the court. I'm about to sauce this man up, and we're going home. And that's exactly what happened. And I just think that that right there is the difference. They have, they now have a man that does not need Giannis, that they could give him the ball and say, bro, we need something. And he can make something. That's big for them. That's real big. I think that that's something that's going to pay huge dividends for them. And it's going to unlock Giannis a little more because it won't be his responsibility to carry the entire franchise in the playoffs. You give Drew Holiday $160 million, to me, that suggests you think he can go out there and make a difference. Uh, he's made all defensive teams before. I think in a series against Brooklyn, you throw him on Kyrie or you throw him on James Harden. And to be honest with you, he could probably switch on to KD for a play or two and not get demolished. That's a player that's going to make a huge difference. I think the Bucs are a better defensive team than the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, by the numbers, the Bucs are also a better defensive team than the Brooklyn Nets. Offensive. I mean, they're a better offensive team by the numbers than the Brooklyn Nets. And look, man, I just think that when I speak to people, when I speak to my friends, when I go on social media, when I watch SportsCenter or, you know, whatever sports content I'm ingesting, it seems to me that everyone just kind of is waving the bucks aside and saying, no, they don't have a chance. But I think that Middleton, Holiday and Giannis, they can at least compete with with Holland, or I'm sorry, with Harden, with Kyrie, and with KD. The Nets obviously have more talent on their team. I just think that uh, when it comes to the playoffs, both with Philly and with with the Bucks, I think that the size, the size is what's going to make a big difference. And pretty much even in the Western Conference, if we're looking at the teams that I think have the potential to knock Brooklyn out, uh, come to a final series, all the teams that I truly believe could beat Brooklyn are teams that have size. It's the teams like the Bucks. It's the teams like the Sixers. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, I'm sure, wouldn't mind a shot at the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, when you have LeBron James, you have Anthony Davis. Now they add Andre Drummond. Uh, we see what Kuzma's been doing um, with the opportunity that he's had lately. I do think that the Lakers have the size uh, in order to compete with Brooklyn. I, I don't think that the Lakers would be shaking in their boots if they drew a finals matchup with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, sticking in the Western Conference, I also think that the Denver Nuggets, although I don't think that the De Denver Nuggets are going to make it out of the Western Conference, I do feel like they would have a shot in a final series because they have Jokic. Uh, because they have Murray, you know the the Nets. They can uh, the Nets have the firepower, but I do feel like the Nuggets with Jokic, Murray, Michael Car or Michael Porter Jr., um, Aaron Gordon. Like I, I think that they're a team that has enough size to where that they could compete. Any team that's going to fluster the Nets come playoff time is going to be the team that has size, uh, but skilled size. Uh, when we go to like a a Utah, I don't think that Utah could beat. Brooklyn in a seven game series because I mean, yes, they have Rudy Gobert. Yes, he's one of the best paint defenders that we've seen uh, in recent history, uh, but that's not skilled size. I, I don't really know how to say that without sounding like I'm dismissing Rudy Gobert, but you know what I mean? Like Rudy Gobert is not going to punish you on the offensive side. You know, he might give you fits on defense, uh, but he, he's not going to punish you on the inside. He's gonna catch some lobs. He, you know, might get a duck in or post up. You know, he, he's gonna get his, but it's not game breaking. 
Uh, when you talk about Anthony Davis, when you talk about Nikola Jokic, when you talk about Joel Embiid, uh, when you talk about Giannis, like these are game breakers. LeBron James, these are game breakers. And I don't think that Brooklyn has many game breakers with size. I, I just think that skilled size is going to give them fits when it comes playoff time. I don't think it's guaranteed that they end up with a ring. I do think that a couple teams in the West could probably knock them out. And although in the East it's unlikely, uh, I do think that the Bucks and the Sixers could put up a good fight. Other than those two teams, I don't really see it. I know that there's an argument to be made for Miami. Uh, Miami's, the, I think, the a top three defense in the league right now. I'm not going to make the argument for Miami because I don't think that they could score enough points to beat Brooklyn. But... Uh, with Jimmy, I guess you can't count anything out, right? He's, he's done the impossible a couple of times. This man took the Timberwolves to the playoffs. If you do that, I got to give you respect straight up. So I said that this was going to be a quick episode because my partner in crime, Gordo, he's not here to argue with me. He's not here to tell me that I'm fucking crazy for saying that the Brooklyn Nets might not make the finals. Um, But we're going to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk some football. Mainly, I want to talk the NFL draft. Uh, Since the last time that we recorded, there was a major trade. The San Francisco 49ers completed a trade with the Miami Dolphins that now puts them at the number three overall pick in this year's coming draft. And a lot of people seem to be thinking that it's to take Mac Jones from Alabama. Now, I'm not going to pretend to be a football scout here. Uh, that's Gordo. That's his job. He's he's our scout here on this podcast, our NFL scout, our NFL historian. We miss him dearly. I'm going to need his opinion on this, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this on the next uh, NFL pod that me and him do together. But I don't think that San Francisco training up to number three to take Mac Jones makes much sense from my perspective, only because he's the least mobile of the top tier quarterbacks in this draft. And again, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on the Shanahan offense, but Tennessee uh, has been running a similar scheme. Uh, for the last couple years, ever since Matt LaFleur was the coach. And from what I've seen, a lot of it's based on play action, on rollouts, on run, uh, you know, run power running, running the ball. And I just don't see why, why would you trade up to number three to take Mac Jones if that's the kind of offense that you're going to run? You know what I mean? Like at that point, I, I know that Jimmy Garoppolo, there's a reason why they're looking, there's a reason why they traded up. You know, they're obviously looking for a quarterback. But if I'm San Francisco and I'm trading up to number three, uh, why why am I not taking one of the dual threat guys if I want to run the ball and, and run fake and roll out and, and do all those things? Like, why, why am I not taking the mobile guy like a Trey Lance? Uh, why am I not taking Justin Fields? Uh, you know, I, I just I don't see why the San Francisco 49ers would trade up to number three to then take Mac Jones, who from... You know, from all the buzz that I've seen, it looked like he he was probably a first round guy, but maybe not a top three, top five type of guy. Um, So that just just confuses me a little bit. If you have, uh, let's say, a a guy like Trey Lance, who's coming from a pro style offense at North Dakota State, uh, 
I've only seen the highlights. I'm not going to pretend like I've been watching all the North Dakota State film, you know, to watch Trey Lance. But he's a pretty mobile guy. He seems to succeed on the RPOs, on the play actions. He's fast. He's big. You know, he kind of kind of looks a little capish out there to me, a little Kaepernicky. You know, I, I don't know how you want to call that, but um, yeah, he's, he's probably going to be a little more accurate than what Cap was. But it's a similar style. He's, you know, a big, strong quarterback who can really use his legs to get out there on those option plays. Uh, but I, I, he can also deliver the ball from the pocket. And so I just don't see why you wouldn't take him or a, or Justin Fields, who, who fits a similar profile. You know, if if running the ball is going to be the highlight of your offense and, and when you have all these playmakers, you have a Debo Samuel who's also going to help you with those run pass options, who's going to help you in the play action game. Like, you know, they get Debo involved in a variety of ways back there. Uh, you have Brandon Ayuk, who had a terrific rookie season, even with the dumpster fire carousel at QB that the 49ers had last season. He was still great. Uh, George Kittle is going to be back to form, we think. You know, he came back before the end of the season. I assume that he's healthy coming into this next season. Uh, I just want the dynamic playmaker back there. I think if you trade up to number three in the draft and you give up the capital that you gave up to the Dolphins, uh, I think that you got to take a swing at it, in my opinion. And and I would want to take a swing at one of these high ceiling guys like a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields. Now, again, Mac Jones might be good. Uh, I'm not saying that he's not going to be, but... I wasn't expecting him to end up in a system where he's where they want him to be kind of athletic. You know, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo, part of why he's not working, not only is his accuracy up and down and his deep ball is uh, very questionable. I just think that the mobility aspect is missing a little bit with him. We actually saw him get hurt trying to show off his mobility. I don't think that was last season. I think it was the season before, but uh, the season where he tore his ACL, he he tore it on a run play. He's he's scrambling. He tried to make a juke. His his knee buckled and and he was done. You know, so I think that if you're if you're looking for that profile of quarterback, I just don't see why they trade all the way up to number three to take Mac Jones. If you want Mac Jones, that's fine. But why are you trading up to number three to go get him? I I just think that the pick there has to be either Justin Fields or Trey Lance, assuming that the first two picks in the draft are going to be Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Uh, I do think if Zach Wilson is not selected by the Jets and they go in a different direction, let's say they were to go with Justin Fields or a Trey Lance or, or what have you or trade the pick, if Wilson is there at number three for the 49ers, I would expect them to probably take him because uh, he gives you a good blend of what you're looking for. He, he's got the mobility. He's also got the arm talent. He's a good decision maker. Um, so Wilson, if he's there, I like him to be the pick for the 49ers at three. I'm just confused if you're listening to this and and you know a little bit more than me uh, about the SEC, about college football, about Mac Jones, let me know uh, because I'm open. We're still uh, a good three weeks, I believe, until the draft. Uh, I, and I my, not, my Mac Jones knowledge is limited. Obviously, he went to Alabama, but I don't know how to evaluate Alabama quarterbacks because you're playing with a literal all-star team. Like You got the Monstars from Space Jam. He's had Jerry Judy. He's had... Uh, he's had Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, you name it, <laughs> you know, like he he's had access to a lot of weapons in his time in Alabama. I just don't know how much is it the elite talent? Uh, how much is it, you know, you being elite talent? I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know 
who has the answer to that question, but I just know that if I'm trading up in the draft, I'm really taking a swing at it, especially if you're the 49ers. You're in, you're a team that's already in position to win. Uh, a quarterback could really make all the difference for them. It could be the difference between you know missing the playoffs and being a Super Bowl contender. Uh, they've made the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you know, Depending on how you feel about Jimmy Garoppolo, it, that would depend on how impressed you were with that Super Bowl run. Uh, but I, I don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo is the right quarterback for that system i don't think that he's the right fit over there uh they were smart to take a a risk on him uh when they first acquired him from new england but uh now i think it's time to move on i think that your ceiling is a little limited if he's your quarterback and i would be looking to swing for the fences with a guy who could truly be a game breaker i know that the rumors are that uh the 49ers they like mac jones because uh, he makes the right reads, I think is what I heard. I don't know if that was the GM in San Fran or the coach talking about that, uh, but it, his decision making and, and being able to mold that kind of quarterback, I think is is the logic there. But I just think, man, Lance and Fields, they got superstar potential. They might never reach that ceiling. But if I'm if I'm going up to three, I'm taking one of those guys. I'm sorry. And this might age poorly. You know, Mac Jones, he might go on to win three Super Bowls, win an MVP. I don't know. This isn't supposed to be an indictment on Mac Jones. I'm just saying if I'm the 49ers and I'm so focused on running the ball and I'm so focused on uh, passing out of run looks and, you know, all the stuff that they do to try to, you know, play mind games with the defense, I would want the quarterback who's also going to be a huge mismatch nightmare for those opposing defenses. That's just me. If I'm going to make a prediction today on April 4th, a couple weeks before the draft, I say that the San Francisco 49ers select Trey Lance with the number three pick in the NFL draft uh, just because he, to me, he looks like he's got the highest ceiling uh, out of... once you take away the first pick, Trevor Lawrence obviously has the highest ceiling in in this draft. However, he's going to the Jaguars. If you listen to this podcast, if you know me, I'm not going to waste any time talking about the Jaguars ever. Fuck them. Uh, so <laughs> the draft really starts at two. Uh, we'll see what the Jets do. It looked like Zach Wilson's pretty locked in over there. But at three, the 49ers. I'm going with Trey Lance. I think that he'd be an excellent fit for them, and, and I think that that's the direction that they should go. If they go with Mac Jones, I will be shocked, shocked. But again, I'm not a scout, so I guess we'll just have to wait and see. You know, luckily, we won't have to wait too much longer, man. I, I can't wait. All right, man, I promised I wouldn't take too much of your time. Uh, hopefully this this first solo episode wasn't too bad. Hopefully you made it through the end here. I think we're running somewhere around 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. Nice short listen for you. Uh, again, we miss you, Gordo. Feel better. Get well soon. Uh, until next time, this is the Pick and Play Podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share with your friend. Tell your mom, tell your sister, tell your girl. I don't care who you tell. Just tell somebody. Until next time, later. <laughs>